Hello and welcome to the Hive Radio Storytellers podcast. Each month we select a theme and our group create and record fictional pieces for your listening pleasure. This month I'm your host, Andrew Ball, and I have the pleasure of taking you through the theme for June, which is freedom. Something we've all been struggling around the world to get more of of late. We start with a slight role reversal of how we shall end later on. You'll see what I mean when we get there. One area, if you're not careful, where you can feel constrained and confined, rather than any sense of freedom, is in your relationships with those closest to you, particularly in marriage. Sometimes when a person decides to randomly just leave, one person's freedom can be another's torment. Freedom by Delphine Blenkinsop This is the hardest letter. Oh. Let's grab a drink then. Oh, it's better. This is the hardest letter I've ever written. I can't live with you any more. apart. Please don't look for me. I'm not where you think I am. Oh. Clothes. Gotta have clothes. Empty. 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 Oh. Looks like he meant it then. He. He can't have done it on his own. Not. Not up here. It. Must have taken ages on the stunner. Silly fool. Well, I hope whoever helped him is going to look after him now. He can't even put on his own boxes. He just left everything to me. Me? I deserve better than this. I've worked... I've worked hard all these years to keep the wolf at bay. All the hours God sent, I had to work and keep his lordship in... Who's going to do that for him now? Who's going to choose his shirts why why does he need more? I do everything. I cook, I clean for him, I feed him, I even wash him. I let him watch telly. I, I keep him out of mischief. If 
for better or worse, the vicar said. He has a nice home. He can't afford to get too excited. The doctors said it's bad for him, but... So I, I, me, bought us a computer. I I, I thought it would be good for us. A, a bit like Scrabble, but... I... Yeah, I, I, I do like those games where you shoot the aliens and... And the graphics are really good. I mean... Lots of green blood. Way. Lovely. I wheel him around after dinner. and But he prefers to watch me play. He he often falls asleep, but it... I mean, it, it's really good when you get into it. Why, why did you want to leave? I've given him the best I could. <laughs> took him to the garden centre last month. I, le I left him watching the guppies while I was away inspecting the cafe and the coffee was nice. But he, he said he, he wanted a herbal, but I told him it would only upset his system. Best stick to what he was used to. But, but he's always been sneaky. Even my mother commented on that all those years ago. <sighs> Seems she was right. The first of our two pieces this time simply called Freedom and an excellent performance from Delphine. Not so typical perhaps that it was a man in that piece who felt most constrained by the person he lived with or his surroundings. Because usually in our societies, whether it's because of morals or outdated attitudes, it's the women who've had to bear the brunt of feeling constrained. And if not by those things, then by what they've had to wear. Corsets and other barriers to freedom. I am five. There's a fish tank along the wall beside my desk. Two big goldfish swim in and out through a hole in a rock shaped like a castle. My teacher, Miss Carroll, is plump with silver hair. She's been very kind to me this morning. It is my first day at school. I will be five on Wednesday. She wants us to write about our homes. I cannot write yet, but she says I can draw a picture. Today is Monday, so I draw a picture of my mum's washing line. It has to stretch across the back lane, as we don't have a garden. All the mums have to peg out their washing like this. I love to see all the sheets flapping in the wind. The main thing I can remember is Mam's brassiere. It is so big. I draw it hanging like a pair of spectacles. I remember it well because Mam had to go to a special corset lady to keep her nice and shapely. The name of the corset lady's shop was Spirella. It made me think of ladies who must look like spirals or egg timers, all nipped in at the waist. My mum's corsets had bones in them to keep her tummy flat. There were laces crisscrossing all the way up. My dad used to have to lace them up for her. He would puff and pant with the effort. Come on, girl, let's tie you in. He would say. 
and after about five minutes of heaving and tugging, my mum would be encased in this pink cage, and I would be laughing and hugging. I laughed too, but silently vowed I would never wear such garments, as I did not ever want to feel trapped. Anyway, my teacher thought my drawing was very funny, and she showed it to Mum when she came to collect me. Oh, is nothing sacred, said Mam, and the two ladies laughed, but I did not understand. I am fifteen. My parents never argued, but I knew when Mam was upset because she would call Dad James instead of Jimmy. I heard them talking through their bedroom door. I, I couldn't sleep fretting over an O-level exam the next day. We never go anywhere, James. I feel so hemmed in, so cramped. Oh, pet, you know there's not much left at the end of the week. It's not about spending money. Sometimes I feel like an infant, wrapped in swaddling bands, duty-bound, honour-bound. Where do you get these ideas from? My kind dad was at a loss. Working in the shipyard all day, he could not fathom the trammels of female existence. I am 21. Eh, pet, such a long journey with a two-week-old bairn. Dad meets me at the hospice entrance in the Tyne Valley. He looks exhausted. Ah, oh, not much time left. From the white counterpane, the bony arms reach out. I place baby Nicola on the pillow. My mam kisses the tiny hand. She regards me sternly. No swaddle in mind. Corsets and Other Barriers to Freedom was written and narrated by Anne Ridley, who also played Mam. Mike Ridley was the voice of Dad. I uh, can't say I have any experience of the subject matter of that one myself for... Uh... <clears throat> obvious reasons, but a big thank you to Mike and Anne for, as ever, such a lovely contribution. This next piece has a poignant subject matter I'm sure we can all identify with. Occasionally, we'll invite on guest writers and performers, and this month's is Frank O'Neill. He's proof that if you happen to live in the Northeast, and even if you've only got a one-off idea you think would be suitable for broadcast, we'd love to hear from you just as we were glad to hear from Frank with this thought-provoking piece. What if, after everything has settled down, someone asked you what you did with your time during lockdown? For me, some days have been productive, others not so much, and at times it's felt like a mountain to climb. So I wrote this little poem, and I hope you find it encouraging. It's called Your Time, written and performed by Frank O'Neill. What did you do with your time? How did you manage the climb? Are you the same as you were at the start? Or was there a moment that captured your heart and caused you to change when it all fell apart? What did you do with your time? And what of the choices you made? Decisions you may have delayed? 
how did you honour the lives that were lost? And workers who gave without counting the cost, how did you handle the bridges you crossed? What of the choices you made? In the distance I see dawning light. Maybe an end is in sight. Is there still time to pull ourselves free from shades of our mediocrity, to live our lives as they're meant to be? How will we stand in the light? Here's what I'll do with my time, my path for the mountain I'll climb. I'll put down the past that's holding me back. I'll not focus in on the things that I lack. I'll figure out now my plan of attack. That's what I'll do with my time. I'll take one more step than I did yesterday. I'll reach out to you as I go on my way. I'll take a stand when there's something to say. That's what I'll do with my days that remain. That's what I'll do with my time. That's what I'll do with my time. Wise words indeed, Frank. Thank you for contributing. Of course, one element of freedom that's been most curtailed and put under most pressure during lockdown is the mental state of every nation. Modern life can be stressful at the best of times without lockdown making things a whole lot worse. So, how do you beat all the stresses and strains of modern life or keep off your back all those chatter monkeys? What do I mean by that? Let our resident nurse, Chris Jackson, and her character Victoria explain, with a little bit of help from In Order of Appearance, <gasps> David By, Lorna Wyndham, Michael Keane, Delphine Blenkinsop, Andrew Ball, John Caffrey, and Anne Ridley. <sighs> By God, it's getting a bit crowded round here. Freedom. Victoria sat in the quietest, most relaxing place the organisation could provide. She waited for her well-being coach to join her. The box on her knee was visibly moving. To her, anyway. Feeling quite nervous, she clutched it tighter to her body. Steady, you're not going anywhere, she thought. The coach greeted her with a warm smile, oblivious to the box that Victoria was now clutching intently. So, have you completed the final task of your journey on your well-being course? Have you managed to identify your personal potential stumbling box to a more tranquil lifestyle in your retirement? She asked. Yes, replied Victoria. And to her horror, the creatures were screaming out of the box. Well, Victoria, I've said it before and I'll say it again. As your careers advisor, Going into nursing would be like pouring water into a bucket with a hole in it. Settle down. Get yourself a husband and have a few babies. It's not for you, a career in nursing. No, not for you, lass. And I'll keep on telling you this as soon as you start thinking above your station. No, you can't keep me in this box. I'm far too important. Victoria winced and smiled weakly at her coach, who was now regaling the fried egg scenario of how to deal with what was most important in life. 
oblivious to what Victoria could hear. Well, Victoria pet, you've made your bed so you're gonna have to lie in it. All men have their treats, but your man puts a roof over your head and food on the table. I don't know where you get your fanciful ways from. I really don't. Just put up with it. You've got a bairn to think of. Victoria, out of respect, hadn't put her mouth in the box. She'd had enormous support from her, but she was still quite influential in her mind. You'll never manage on your own, not without me. I'll never let you go, never. If you keep me in this box, it will cause anguish and misery, and I'll see to it. Mind, it will be the last thing you do. Victoria felt quite faint at this point and excused herself for a glass of water, but hurriedly returned as she realised she had left the box unattended. Sitting down, the inhabitants of the box continued to shout loudly. She glanced at her coach. Either out of politeness or genuinely, she couldn't hear. She gave no indication or reference to the violently shaking box or the din coming from it. Honestly, Victoria, have you any idea what you look like in that dress? God, you're not coming out with us looking like that. What you need is a short miniskirt, never mind about your fat legs, and a boob tube. You can borrow me Playtex brow to make your boobs look bigger. Yeah, I'll sort you out. You'll never get a boyfriend looking like that, you know. <laughs> and listen, don't even think about keeping me in this box. You make me look so good next to you. Stop worrying, everyone. She'll never do it. What, put us all in this box and then get rid of us for good? No way. She hasn't got the guts. She needs every single one of us. I'll have a word later. She will listen to me over a glass of fills or two. <laughs> I'm the health and safety officer of your mind. You can't get rid of me where you can't even cross the rule without me. So be careful, lass. You need the likes of me. Don't keep me in this box. We will run out of oxygen. Please, please, Victoria. Don't put me in this box. I need you. I can't manage without you. Who will listen to me every day, every night, for hours at a time? I've got problems, you know. Far worse than you and your glorious independent life. Your career, house, friends, holidays, beautiful daughter. You've no idea. Don't leave me, Victoria. I won't survive. And be it on your head if I don't. So, Victoria... What are you going to do with this box? Now her coach asked. Victoria contemplated what to do with these chattering monkeys, imposters, voices from her past that on occasions she had to do battle with daily. Imposters who used to come in the dead of night or as dawn was breaking, pursuing her rationale, doubting her decision-making. Voices from the past echoing in her mind that on occasions she had believed. She stood up and clutched the wriggling box tightly to her chest and smiled. Whoa, whoa, everybody, everyone! I think she's actually going to bloody do it! We're all in this box together and she's going to ditch us for good! I, I suggest you flee for your lives and find another victim's mind to, to, to move into pretty damn quick! Now, don't all push at once. I say, 
Don't be so rude. I'm first. I'm king of the imposter syndrome. You chatter monkeys, take your turn. Abandon the box. Abandon the box. <laughs> Victoria walked over to a clinical waste bin and threw the box in. She walked slowly back to her seat. She took a long deep breath and again smiled at her coach. She thanked her and returned to her small modest house that she owned, stroked her two cats and tickled her dog under her ears. She answered the phone to her beautiful daughter and had a long conversation about the recent developments for her and her partner's forthcoming wedding. Today was International Nurses Day and she retired. Clicking the button on the NMC website, she deregistered after 45 years of wonderful service. That although she had loved every minute of it, it wasn't without its chattering monkeys, influencers and imposters, trying very hard on occasions to change her life. Sipping a cool glass of wine, looking out over her garden, Victoria also reminded herself that although these chattering monkeys, influencers and imposters had tried to change her life, they had failed and she had succeeded. This was true freedom, which she had accomplished herself. Written and read by Chris Jackson. Characters played by the members of the Hive Radio Storytellers. Well, that was a jolly good piece to contribute to, I must say, even if one's fate in it was rather awful. However, Victoria could probably identify and empathise with the character at the centre of our final piece by, uh, some person whose name escapes me. Anyway, point is, there's also the freedom of expression to consider. To break free from what others expect or want you to be. If you happen to feel that time has robbed you of some of your sense of identity, then you need to go on a journey of self discovery. Finding her voice. The bed wasn't as soft as Gail would have liked, the room not as large as she'd usually have needed with Bill, or Bick to his friends, and the four flights of stairs had been a real pain to lug that suitcase up. But then, what else did you expect, Gail reasoned, for this kind of room in a central London hotel? And you didn't come here from Accrington in Northumberland to marvel at the place you were staying in. Gail grinned, lying back on the bed, a glowing sense of pride in what she'd done that day, not letting her sleep. She mused on what had led to this, and how she hoped the creative shackles were now off. Bick was nicknamed that, both because it made his surname Storm an instant pun, and because he worked for a firm promoting that brand of pens. Oh, how his friends had laughed when Bick Storm had introduced his new fiancée to them. Gail? Ah, the perfect match for Bick Storm. You're probably blown away by her looks, eh? <laughs> They've roared, as if they'd never exhausted all the wordplay surrounding their colleague's surname by now. <sighs> Maybe those things, his choice of job and friends, should have been a warning of what was to come. 
when she and Bill met in that pub and had those wonderful first several years together, a few of them as newlyweds, it seemed so much livelier, sharper, an optimist, inspired even. Fifteen years of marriage later, Mr. and Mrs. Storm couldn't have been more ironically named. Bland Bill could still be kind and generous, more than the occasion required, but inventiveness of any kind had dried up. The Storm's lives were now routine, grey, damp and dull. They'd both decided they didn't want children. And she wasn't the type to nag, or, as his pals would say, to kick up a storm. <laughs> but couldn't she make Bill see that she still wanted more from life than she was getting? No. It hadn't been so bad when Gail had her own job, but the depression in retail had blown that away too. And now, defying Bill's protestations a few weeks ago of... Look, the likes of us cannot do the likes of that. Gail had finally been convinced by her friends that there was a quality she had going for her that was yet to be explored as a means of some expression of identity. Her voice. Others seemed to think it a kind, gentle, persuasive voice that would sound great on radio. Gail had never been so sure. But after that uncharacteristic argument with Bill about damn wallpaper of all things weeks earlier, here she was, on holiday, without him for the first time in two decades, choosing to come here based on a trustworthy website's promise of training. For kick-starting your voiceover career. Oh, she had no delusions. Even after the lovely day of visits to the Science and Natural History Museums, followed by a hurried lunch at Muriel's Kitchen in South Kensington, before the dash over to the East Acton recording studios and the liberating sessions doing the demos with Gary, pushing her on to... Pick up the pace a bit there, ease off on that word at the start, and it'll be perfect. And the delicious meal afterwards at a Brazilian restaurant with an old friend she hadn't seen in ages. Oh, she knew that demand was outstripped by supply and... She might get lost in the crowd in this multimedia world called voiceover work, but then, what was it Gary did said in their brief correspondence? Thanks for getting back in touch. You know, I'm sure if you really wanted to enough, you would find a way to try and get to our studios. We've had people from all over the British Isles. Well, yes, she'd wanted it enough. You can keep your flings in Corfu, Shirley Valentine. I'll settle for this as my freedom. Besides... She thought. Sleepiness at last began to arrive. Too often in life people concentrate on the target. The end goal is the only thing that matters. Forgetting to appreciate the journey to it just as much. Whatever happened after this break was over, whatever Bill remained like, she was determined she'd enjoy this journey. No matter the cost, Gail had found her voice, and the train in was just departing from its first station. Finding Her Voice was written by Andrew Ball and featured me with special guest, me, Gary Terza, and read by Delphine Blenkinsop. 
Thanks for listening. And a big thank you to Delphine, yet again, and voiceover coach Gary Terza for their help with that one. Well, that's it. We hope you enjoyed our look at freedom and that you'll look forward to our next podcast in July. And if you have enjoyed listening to our stories, please let us know. Our group meets every Wednesday, online, virtually at the moment. And if you're interested in getting involved in writing, performing or producing audio drama and podcasts, please get in touch. The best way to contact us is by email at hive underscore radio underscore storytellers at outlook.com or leave comments on our Facebook page. Just search for Hive Radio Storytellers. With grateful thanks to Ben Hudson for supplying the music and to Diane Gray for most of the editing, supplying the sound effects and producing, this is Andrew Ball saying take care, bye for now, and once again, thanks for listening.